0: Listening to Shoot It Now, your weekly podcast about indie filmmaking and big budget films, with award winning filmmaker Craig Newland. And welcome to another Shoot It Now podcast. My guest is Tom McLeod, an award-winning music composer based in Wellington, New Zealand. Tom has composed musical drama series for television, has co-written musical comedy and stage musicals, written songs for films, has scored feature films and documentaries, he can conduct an orchestra and recently he worked in Berlin with Grammy award-winning music producer Matt Howe. Tom, welcome to Shoot It Now.
1: Thanks, Craig. Great to be with you.
0: Mate, good to have you on. It's an impressive list of things that you do. How important is it to be able to do a a wide-ranging discipline right across the music uh, composer spectrum?
1: Yeah, well, that is part, I think, of the um, appeal of film and in television is that range of material you know when i first started out in music um it was playing pop music like everybody else does i suppose when you're when you're learning as a young person Uh, developed um, a taste for jazz and went and studied jazz and then sort of found my way into kind of the classical sphere orchestral learning learned, uh, learned orchestration and arrangement so it was kind of interesting because the because that grounding was really good when i got into drama you know, realise that it is very much sort of a general practitioner's sphere. You know, you kind of you're moving between you know epic to intimate, and you're doing everything from orchestral, um, you know, to pop to to sort of massive action. You know, you could be working one day in in the horror genre, and, and the next day in a family film or a comedy. So you're really you're really spanning quite quite a lot of styles, and um, in many ways, you're sort of like a general practitioner of music, I guess.
0: How long ago was it that you sort of switched into this whole composing of of music?
1: It was probably about twenty years now, which sounds a long time. It's kind of funny. I, as I say, I started really as a performing musician. So I was I was a pianist um, and a drummer once, but um, playing in uh, playing bands and performing, you know, in comedy shows and cabaret shows that were very much you know, in, in the big band kind of mode or pop, funk, various different sort of styles. So when I got into um, arranging uh, for television, it was on these light entertainment shows, which really kind of amazing because in some ways it was the, it was the changing of an era. The, uh, the modern equivalent now, I guess, is X Factor, America's Got Talent, New Zealand's Got Talent, those sort of shows. But back in the day, they were very much broad-based sort of shows where you would, you know, you'd have to write, one week you'd be doing you know a Michael Jackson track or some hip-hop thing and then the next week you'd be doing some big band thing it was a really um was a broad introduction for me to you know learn arrangement arranging so that was I suppose my first taste of um of genre and then I kind of naturally I started doing jingle work you know for, for tv commercials and found my way into drama at first, as a kind of a music director working with another composer and helping produce his music and put it put it to picture, and then of course started doing it myself. I think my first drama where I was the composer was Secret Agent Man, way back in 2003, and that was one of those kind of kid comedy detective series, which was really well, a fun fun show, and it was it was a kind of a nod to the 60s and Man from Uncles and those kind of big you know 60s style TV shows, with big, which always had big live scores. And we were trying to recreate that with uh, without that resource, but it was pretty it was pretty fun. When I started learning this stuff, MIDI came into play, and initially MIDI was incredibly basic. It was using modules and sounds that were you know straight out of a synth, and we were starting to send files to each other across you know MP3, which was incredible at the time to be able to kind of travel. Up and down the country in an instant because prior to that and just at the time when i was starting in this it was everyone was sort of mailing scores mailing tapes and that was how you made a show back then just at that that point where midi midi came into play and i got into using software um, notation software and also sequencing software and of course over the last 20 years we've seen an incredible development in the way that um, software enables composers to really mock up full orchestra and in many cases be the orchestra
0: And composing is somewhat like a screenwriter. You have to take the time, sit down with a clear mind and space to creatively write the notes. And I feel very much from a director's point of view that this is something not given enough thought to. We tend to just take the process for granted as directors and producers and perhaps talk to us um, through that process of getting a new film to score and how you do that initial set arranging
1: yeah i think that's a really interesting process and it probably varies a lot from composer to composer i've I've read quite a lot of you know the great composers on this about how they approach things i know howard shaw for instance talks about how he likes to dream the world and he'll think of ideas and lie down and, and imagine the space and half Consciously, have subconsciously, I suppose, try and explore the world uh, of of the film and of the narrative. So I've I've kind of done that in various modes. Like it's been really useful um, to try, especially you know when you start. Um, it always begins, I think, with the script. But sometimes you'll be working with the first cut or you know, a rough assembly. Often, I, I guess, also you're working with a locked cut. You know, and you come in quite late in the process. So it really does depend a bit, you know, where you come in, in the process and probably most composers like like any, like any anyone in a creative thing, um, the more time you have to explore, the better. So it's it's always nice to come in early and have that processing time. I've worked on projects where I've actually imagined the world for quite a long time before I've had to start writing anything. And I've found that to be really good because often by the time you write and you're kind of amped to go and you've, you've already got ideas um, and you can just sort of rush to, 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 to really exercising those. But quite often, Uh, you know, you have to kind of explore a whole palette to know what isn't right as much as what is right and going through that process can take time. And so I think there is a, you know, a kind of throwing mud at the wall sometimes approach where you, you are looking for those little bits of magic. You know, also that with enough time, what I always find you get those happy accidents. There's, there's little things that you kind of really can't design. They just come from throwing ideas around sometimes. Um, That might be with the director. It might be with someone else, a a musician. You know, eventually you start to, the pieces start to fall into place. That's something I know Danny often talks about is this puzzle that you kind of, you start with a whole lot of ideas um, and you don't really know where they're gonna fit in the puzzle. And quite often I actually will come up with a bunch of themes and I'll go, this is a coming of age theme, or this is the the deceit theme, or you'll often assign it to something and, and that's really helpful but you also can't be too wedded to that because once you get into the process of, of writing with the picture, uh, you know, you often find that those things change. Or that something that is um very applicable is also usable somewhere else. You know, you you in the architecture of the score, you're always looking for those elements that can connect one scene with another scene with another scene, you know, one idea with an idea that continues on. So that hopefully um it's subconscious, but you know, the audience is essentially being affected without even realizing it, that they're connecting the dots, obviously in the story itself, but also in the sort of sub themes and the things that are going on beneath beneath the obvious narrative.
0: It's really interesting that you do this form of pre-visualization and living in the world because not all music composers can do that. Figuring out a music score for a lot of composers really is like just making it up as you go along which is the way that most composers work because if you're building a house you have a set of plans you have the blueprint for the project but man scoring music is at the other end of that whole equation isn't it
1: yeah that's a really good point it is actually the very last thing we we really you know we know especially filmmakers we we understand how important those things are i mean i, I often say um I often say sound can make you know, bad visuals look look great, um, whereas often bad sound will make good visuals look bad. It's, there's something that you believe, when you believe the world of the sound, then what your mind is telling you you're seeing is different. And so that's fascinating. You know, I know Hans Zimmer has explored this whole thing with color and how you can see different color depending on what music you put on something. And so, yeah, there's no doubt that you can change things quite a lot at the very end with the with the music and with the sound. But typically, as you say, the composing part of it it is one of the last pieces in the puzzle so sometimes you are the glue that helps hold hold narrative together you can you can come in and you can help you know bring a cohesion i think to the whole film and you're always thinking of that that emotional stuff that those big moments that, that need that deeper emotion and also trying to sort of give the whole film the tone that, that it might need so in that way you can play a really important role in i suppose steering you know but you're, you're the last I suppose you're fine-tuning in terms of the the course that's being plopped by the director from the beginning of the film to the end of that process of making it. So a composer has has got some ability, I suppose, to just help the director realise that last important thing. And, you know, never more important, for example, if you're working in in a comedy, particularly black comedy, because often what you're seeing on screen is in black comedy is very, very serious. And the music's telling us that it's not serious. (laughs) It's, It's telling us it's okay to laugh. And that's crucial and that's right at the end. So obviously editors have to play with, with temp score as they go because they need to be seeing the film take the shape and have the tone for, that it's going to, to have. But yeah, you really don't know until, until that, that last bit of score and bit of sound goes into the film. For, from your point of view as a director you, you'll know that that critical last element can make a big difference. But at the same time you may not have, have um, imagined the music before you start the project, and I guess that's where a composer um, can bring something early on, potentially. So some sometimes the director will bring the composer in early. Um, I know Morricone was brought in really early, really early with all the Sergio Leone movies. You know, he would, I know Once Upon a Time in the West, he essentially pre-composed score for that whole thing, and they were actually shooting to his music. And then of course he would have recreated that music or rearranged it for the final film. But that's a really interesting thing to do.
0: Yes, some directors, as, as you say, they like to have the score before they, they start shooting. However, most of the time, because of indie budgets, that's just not possible. But I'm, I'm curious to ask, if if a director came to you and said, look, we don't have the budget, but is there a way that you could devise some music cues? So as, as you gave that example, so that we could play on set during filming to... Maybe lay out some of the tone and style before camera turns over. Would you be open to that process? Because I know that that's what they did with the Joker. She composed some music cues before they even got to principal photography. Some of that music ended up staying in the actual finished product.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's it's a cool thing to explore. You know, you're right. It doesn't happen that often. It's not. Um, it's sometimes just not practical and in other cases it's perhaps there isn't you know a, a budget to, to to make that happen but yeah i think i think it can bring real value there's probably times where it would be really important and, I, and, and where where there's a tonal element that's critical um for the performance so you know i, I would imagine that there's some some films more than others uh, that that sort of stuff can be less obvious and that's where i think it would would help potentially on set it can help the actors but I guess you know if it's a genre film and it's fairly clear then it may not be something that's helpful. I've had a couple of projects where people have created something early on and the director has played it on set and he said you know that the response was fantastic from, from everybody but then that was a comedy so I think it did make quite a difference. It would be interesting to see with with a serious drama how that would go and and whether or not it would make a huge difference but it's a nice luxury anyway
0: and temp music the big elephant in the room good or bad for a director to use temp as a building block of thoughts and ideas for the composer to look at
1: yeah temp music it, it really is um a contentious issue i suppose i i personally think it's really a great thing i think there's no doubt that when you're building a film in the edit suite you just you you need to have music there with you Good. Editors, you know, most most editors I work with are really good with music. They have, I think, probably an inherent sense of rhythm because there's so much rhythm and cutting. So most of the guys they've used really good temp music and they've found great cues from all over the place. And that's probably the trick, really, is that you can end up with a really strange, disparate mix of of music when you're when you're working with temp. So you'll often have some really great scenes and sequences um that probably needed temp to help them make sense but of course when you watch you know when you watch the whole thing in context it's it's where you you realize that you need a composer to, to bring all those all, the, all those pieces of music together which you just can't really get from a temp score because um, because typically temp will be taken from any number of places and they may or may not connect so you're not going to get the thematic connections with temp generally and you also don't get textural connections. So, yeah, I think I personally find it really useful. Two, two things. One is the temp can really, really help you define the tone. And there are exceptions to that for sure, where I think the temp that I've seen come to me has been perhaps not right for the film, and I've had to say, oh, I just don't think that's quite the right direction. And that's great because then that, that's a whole conversation that you have. So invariably, it's a very useful starting point. But as well as that, it helps helps the director be become clear about where the music needs to be so that's an excellent sort of spotting device what we call spotting which is you know which is the decisions about where music starts where it stops so um and of course that will change because the composer is always going to have a different idea about that and we'll make other suggestions but i think that's a really good starting point and also for tone it can be you know very very helpful i think be playing with the, the tone in the edit suite and having music there can be really really helpful but There are are certainly times where a temp can be annoying if it's not quite right and probably the other problem with a temp for a composer is that typically the the director, the editor, um, anyone who's been seeing the film, working with it for a wee while with temp, it's completely natural that they would start to love that music um, and love what it's doing with the pictures and so I think it's then hard for that to be essentially put aside and bring in a whole new, whole new <laughs> set of music. So that's probably one of the most challenging parts of it, I think. And there's no doubt many composers have had this had this happen to them where, you know, they've, they've written something for a scene, but it wasn't really what was in the temp, and they've ended up having to rewrite it <laughs> more like what was in the temp, which is a, a creatively frustrating thing. I always listen to a temp once, or try not to listen to it more, And I'll try and absorb the key elements. It could be tempo, energy, tone, some texture, some drive. And then I'll try and forget it because I know that if I listen to it again and again, I'll end up naturally wanting to copy it. And then I'll be really frustrated because I just can't uh, find something original. So, yeah, that's probably the the balance is is allowing yourself to to take what's useful from it and not ultimately uh, be impacted or be affected by it too much.
0: I made this mistake. well I thought it was a mistake I I grabbed a Howard Shaw piece of temp and it was the opening cue for the the film and I, I thought well this is probably a bad idea to put this this grand sounding orchestra piece because the composer is never going to be able to match this type of approach the the first couple of passes with the the music composer it was just miles off. Off the pace. But on the third approach, it was much better than the Howard Shaw piece. And I just couldn't believe the result that we got out of that. So that was a happy ending in terms of a, a, a temp piece. I want to come back to editors, editing to temp and the rhythm, because one of the problems is that editors can cut to a temp of music and have all the rhythm and the pacing uh, in that piece of temp that's quite dangerous because you're kind of baking in the rhythm of the cut if you're not going to have the the actual score matching up
1: yeah that that's a really interesting one i think i'm sure an editor would argue that you just need a rhythm you need a tempo in mind if you're if you're cutting an action sequence so i think where you know Tim, music can help enormously um with those and i've worked on a couple of big action scenes with some really good editors and they've no doubt cut it according to that to the to the time there but having said that in some cases even with those situations i've actually gone away and changed the tempo and and it's worked really well so i am not sure that you need to necessarily match tempo when it comes to that sort of fast cutting action sequence stuff you know uh i think danny altman had a had a theory about that that any tempo can work as long as you just find the tempo and so there may be more than one tempo that works but it's a really good point because you know it, just, it just isn't naturally going to you know find the rhythm that, that feels good and, and find and the tempo will will inevitably have have you know have influenced the temp or the temp track will influence that that tempo that they are cut into so you kind of do often follow it but i i have changed it fairly enough i have changed it a couple of times and it's worked really really well so you're you're then looking for different anchor points when you do that you kind of um, line up your, your tempo with it with the cut you forget what was on the temp and you're just looking at how you can how you can make what 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 was their work and then obviously the editor sees it after and, and you know we've had some good conversations about that and they're often surprised too that it will that it can be different but yeah, i think that's still one of those things where a composer might come along and go oh i just feel like the tempo should have been quicker it should be more energy or i'm going to use a different tempo because i've already got a whole theme in mind and my tempo is a 3-4 or a 6-8 instead of a 4-4 four, four, and that will change quite considerably so i might it might need to be faster to get the same effect because it's now you know a three instead of a four so you know those kinds of things you really don't know until you try there's no there's, there's certainly no Absolutes
0: when it comes to that stuff. Cinema language can be expressed a lot through music cues, and music often can make a strong statement to bring some kind of attitude that can help define tone and story to a film. But often, the method to achieve this can be a mystery for a composer to break down and land in the place that they wanted to. How do you view all of that in terms of expressing cinema language through music cues?
1: Yeah, music's strange in that way. It is it is a it is a, it is a mysterious thing. Um, why does it work? And I've had um, you know many kind of play around, uh, many a play around with a scene with a with a different piece of music with a different approach. And I'm sure that you know this is certainly what editors do and music editors do a lot to really. To, to explore what 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 is going to work best for that scene, but I think ultimately the director will make the call anyway because you can completely change the meaning of a scene with with a piece of music. No doubt you can lighten a scene and you can make it more intense. Uh, you can make it darker. That 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 kind of power, obviously, you know, it ha- has to be has to be sort of done very sensitively with you know the, the, always the narrative in mind. I, I've, there's been a few times where I, I might have a scene. And I've explored something, and it's a little bit different to what was in the temple, perhaps what we even discussed uh, when we were spotting the, the film, the, the director and I. And that, that's quite fun because then, then, you, then you just simply offer that as an alternative. And sometimes it will just be really well-received because it's taken the film, perhaps taken the scene to a different place or give, gives the film another slant. Or, but, you, but you could equally you know, have the response, well, yeah, it's really interesting, it's really cool, but it isn't quite necessarily what, in the bigger picture, we need. So yeah, I think, yeah, you're, you're always mixing up the possibility of making something different or making a change. And in the end, though, what everyone wants from music is, is emotion. And there are times, for sure, where it's quite ambiguous or neutral, but most of the time when music's doing what it needs to, and it has to be subtle enough to be not to not be noticed. It's intensifying that emotion, and you, you know the, the storyteller, the director is always understanding what what that emotion should be. So you know you you are trying to to uh, always work uh, work to to making sure that that is the right thing. And there are sometimes there are many ways. There's, I always say there's no right way to score a scene. You can turn around and do five different versions all of them could be right in in the end you it's it's, it comes down sometimes to time how much time there is to explore but also when you get feedback from the director you'll usually have a pretty clear idea of what what's working for them and what is the right way to go so
0: often It's a lot about the composer steering the ship, this relationship between the composer and the director. The composer, no doubt, is steering uh, the ship with the music, but having the director's hands on the wheel, to use that kind of analogy, which is a a tricky balance, isn't it, for the composer with the composer-director relationship to get right? How How do you manage and navigate through all of that?
1: You're right. The director's usually always the person who would have the best understanding of that best handle on on the overall. Um, but but for sure, you know, the editors, the producers, e- everyone. Um, there are there are certainly other important people in that in that chain. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. You can really steer it in many ways. But um, I you know I, I think if I was to take the film in a different direction from where it was meant to be because it was something I liked, <laughs> that, then I'd be I'd be pulled up on that pretty quickly. And, and, and you are, and you would expect to as well. Composer doesn't always have perspective. It's so hard, I think, perspective, isn't it, to to keep for anyone, you know, for everyone working in the in the project. Um, I always find it incredible that directors are able to keep that perspective and, and know the story they're telling and never, sometimes it can be years between beginning and ending a project. So, well, that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. One of, one of the things I love about film composing is that every new, film is in itself a a new project and the project is not just the 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 material because obviously that's the most important thing but who you're working with and their style and approach and and so that can vary hugely from person to person Um, you know some directors are very clear about what they want and you are absolutely working pretty closely on them with them on that but others can be more hands-off and say perhaps uh, you know go for it and often they'll have a strong opinion when, it, when something is wrong, but they perhaps are not quite so sort of interested in the, in the details when it comes to, you know, the, the nitty-gritty of every moment. Yeah, and I have other people who I work with who are perhaps able to help me with that perspective as well. And, you know, when you're in the midst of it, it can be hard to, to see whether something's right. I think it's always good to get feedback. And, uh, you know, most people will have someone that they can trust to be there editorial advisor, <laughs> I, I certainly do. You know, the directors, generally speaking, always going to have the, the most important perspective on it.
0: I think directors probably, as they go on in their careers, get much better appreciation for the, the music and the composer. And what I mean by that is that in the beginning, not necessarily a director will understand the the way to express how they feel about music, what they're wanting, because directors are not composers. Uh, they don't have the understanding of the music language like a composer does, Uh, which brings me on to this point. Do Do you think that notes from directors sometimes might not be as harsh as what they are intended, meaning that it's easy for a composer in the beginning to read some notes from a director and think, wow, I've really failed on this cue, when in fact, even though the notes might not say it, going back and trying a little bit of a tweak here little bit of a tweak there which isn't in the notes uh but suddenly the director says wow that's exactly what i was after
1: yeah that is an excellent point yeah that's something i learned you know midway through i suppose (laughs) my own journey and i think it's when you get feedback from anyone you're, you're trying to use words to describe music or what the music's doing and that can be that's a real can of worms i think and so usually the directors, I think, who, who do it best are, are not getting into the nitty gritty of anything in the music itself, but very much what they feel. And so if they're describing with, with words that are, you know, words to describe emotion rather than words to describe music, that tends to be the best thing. And so often um, then a composer will go, oh, okay, I understand the tone's not quite right here. And it could actually be, as you say, just a very small tweak. I've certainly had, uh, you know, I've had, I've had both, but, you know, sometimes you will get feedback it suggests the whole cue's really not right at the same time you're trying to understand what would be right but then when you when you and perhaps this might come in the form of an email but when you get together with the three that you might discover actually no it's just the horn <laughs> it was one instrument <laughs> and yeah. you just take that instrument out and all of a sudden it's, it's working it's completely different uh, that that's the sort of stuff where you know you just you don't often know necessarily whether uh, whether there is you know a, a complete rewrite is involved or it's just a small a small tweak and I I've definitely had situations where it's a, it's a very small adjustment can can do the trick but obviously there are times when you know that really it's fundamentally not quite what they know what they need for that moment and that's when you know, the, the, yeah you're absolutely right how to read the notes um, and how to interpret that is key you actually build a wee bit of that through the process as well so often you'll start a process You know, the beginning of a film, you'll be talking with the director and they'll say something and you'll go, cool, and you go off in a certain direction and then you realise that's not what they meant. And so later, you can essentially have a, the longer you go and the the more you talk, um, the more you start to realise what ideas are, how how ideas are being communicated, which makes a big difference, I think, to to finding them quickly, which is so often the biggest challenge. It's usually always against the clock. I don't think writing the music is hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's writing the music within the time frame, that's often really the the hardest challenge of all.
0: I know, speaking from experience for myself, just different music instruments and, as you said, pulling a musical instrument out, I probably wasn't so cued into that. But now I can hear all of those different musical instruments and I know before the composer even pulls it out, what that will actually sound like and what it will do with the emotion of that scene
1: yeah that's true and some directors actually have a really good understanding of what is going on in the music and how and and that can be great because it can help you really identify those elements i guess the danger is if they do get specific but they don't necessarily understand and then you could you could go down the wrong track I've, i've had directors talk about instruments when they were actually Completely a different instrument, or not a, a different family of instruments. So they might be talking about brass, but really they mean bases, or they mean winds. And if you're getting specific about stuff, you could actually, um, you know, go to the trouble of reworking something and realize they just meant something different. So for the most part, when they're talking emotional language, that is usually the best feedback. As you're saying, if you're sort of sitting down together, it can be quite good because you you can then say, well, does this make a difference? And you can try something really quickly. So there's a value to being able to be in the to be able to get together in that way. You don't have to be in the same room. You can do it, you can do it via Skype, but having the ability to tweak stuff, sometimes when, they, when there's an issue, that can be really, really helpful.
0: And how conscious are you in not telegraphing a moment in a scene where the music moments can take out the punch part of the scene? An easy example is a, a music ramp. Sometimes that music ramp can totally telegraph the scare moment of a scene, which obviously you don't want.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. You you have to get those things in the right place a lot of the time. If you if you're a moment too soon or 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 late, then that doesn't work. But no doubt, there's sometimes where I mean, if you're if you're working if you're if it's a scare and you really want that scare, then it should it should be a surprise. I think all composers have a, a, tem- a tendency. There's a there's a temptation to stay in tempo. It's just natural. <laughs> so um, I remember uh, John woodford Robertson. We were talking about about a scene i think it's in sixth sense where there's a where there's a scare that happens and it's out of time and it's really powerful really effective and i know that many you know many many composers will ramp up to a scare so yes generally will undermine the power of, of the fright of the scare but there are but there are times where it works a treat because you may not be after a sudden shock but it but you're really looking to add more weight so you can you can add a heck of a lot of weight if you use a ramp Um, So the gravitas of that moment can be hugely emphasised, but you lose the surprise. Um, so, So these are choices I guess you have to make. Sometimes you don't know until you try and play and the director will make that call. But yeah, I think most of the time you're balancing what to telegraph and what not to. I think that's a really good point. There are, particularly with the more subtle stuff, you know, where to start the music cue is often crucial. In any scene because you don't want to draw attention to it and the beginning is usually the most likely place where an audience member a person watching will feel the, the change uh so that's that's super important you know you you're also um always walking the line i think with music between being noticed not being noticed and affecting people in the, in the subtlest way possible the the crucial dramatic moments often will need to be nuanced they need to be telegraphed as you say if the audience is conscious of it you probably lost them. (laughs) It's going to be less powerful. So yeah, that's very much the line you're walking when you're scoring any narrative is how to turn moments, how to change things um, and to guide the audience's emotional response.
0: Yeah, see, directors, uh, they do misdirects all the time, like you might have a red herring. It's a misdirect, It's deliberate on purpose. What I've learned now with music is you can do a similar thing. You can do a misdirect. You can totally misdirect. And I'm not sure about that sixth sense. Maybe that's in part of what what you were talking about with that scene. But musically, if you had a ramp as a misdirect and the real scare moment actually came a beat after the ramp when you're not expecting, we see this all the time. You know the the way that you can inform a scare moment through a misdirect. Yeah, that's a very powerful way just to elevate a, a scare moment.
1: Yeah, um, misdirect is is really interesting. I I guess you use it a lot in comedy as well. When you think about setting up a joke or where the music hits or stops and starts, that that, that stuff's really important. And 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 allowing the space for the joke sometimes. Yeah, but, but in terms of a scare, yeah, a, a lot of that stuff is, is just kind of creating, I guess, a, a visceral response from the audience and there are different ways of doing it. There's a great moment in Minority Report when John Williams, when I think it's Agatha who's in the water and she's asleep. We think she's completely asleep. And just before she wakes, like, at the, like a half a second before, there's a big music stamp and it's terrifying. <laughs> it's so powerful. You, if you telegraphed that, you'd obviously, you know, it wouldn't work. So, but there was no music before it. You really needed that to just jump out of you. And he, he does it quite a lot. Whereas, you know, other composers will have a, a tone that lures us into a calm and then, then there'll be a hit. But as you say, music can lead or mislead wherever you want. And there, I guess no more true than in a horror. You know, any kind of scary tension, unease, uh, the, the music has the power to to really change what we feel about what we see. So that's very much the director's tool to to play with, um, and no doubt music is critical, you know, in the way that those stories are told.
0: And how important is baking in the score and connecting music cues across the entire film? Uh, because on one hand, it's an automatic thing that composers will look to do. On the other side, does the audience really feel all of those connections?
1: Yeah, good question. I think mostly those things are subconscious. I don't reckon the audience is aware of them. I've always had this theory that music ha- is, is more powerful when when it's familiar. And if I think of just about every pop song I've ever loved, or any piece of music, the first time I heard it, I wasn't in love with it, I might have liked it, but second, third, fourth, tenth time, that's often when I'll really be affected. And it's hard to know whether that, what's going on in your brain when that happens, you know, is it because you've kind of developed an association with it, um, with certain things, or is it simply familiarity and something in you has an expectation of where that music's gonna go, and when it does go there, it's very satisfying. Those are really deep psychological questions and, and a composer probably isn't required to understand those, but, we obviously are playing in that in that sandpit so i'm you know i'm a believer in setting up and paying off themes and i think if you do it well then ultimately you from the beginning of a film to the end of the film you can create quite a familiarity that's subconscious with the audience and it really is literally it's like another channel on the if you think of the soundtrack of a film you've you've got channels operating and this is a subliminal channel if you like and you can connect something from the beginning to the end and you can create familiarity through so that in those crucial moments where something really important is happening and, and and the biggest payoffs in the movie you get that emotional payoff that you've you've set up and you paid it off at the end you'll really get i think a much more powerful response from the audience because they for some reason is kind of magical they've allowed the music in already and associated it with that subliminally, and then they're much more likely to be moved by it, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the baking in of the score has to be on a subconscious level. If it's not on a subconscious level, it becomes more obvious. And I just wonder if there's in the past, there have been some composers that are so concentrated on baking in the score right across the film that it has become a little bit obvious to the viewer.
1: That's a really good question. And, you know, I think it would be a worthy study. an academic, if you think of genre, there is no doubt that, you know, if you're working at if you're in the family genre, for example, if you're in a Disney sort of area, then the themes you create can be much more overt and the music, there'll be more music and it'll be more prominent. And the audience expects that. So it doesn't feel wrong. An adult might be watching that movie and they'll have a different set of critical eyes, even if it's subliminal, than if they're watching, you know, The Man in the High Castle or something, you know, an intense drama. So I think if the music is doing too much, or trying to do too much, then the audience are going to notice it. And I think really that's just the art of, of good school composing. I think you can be really, you can have these at a high level, as we just described, you know, in a, in a Disney movie, or, or any kind of a genre film where the music clearly has to be, you know, is, is, is going to play more of a part. If it's done well, then the audience will accept it, I think, and they won't question it. But if it's not done well, and their attention is drawn to it, they'll think, oh, it feels a bit schmaltzy. They may not even know it's the music. They might think the film's a bit schmaltzy. That just felt a little bit syrupy to me or a bit melodramatic. And maybe that's really the music not doing what it's supposed to do. But if it's good, then, you know, even a kind of high concept score or a highly melodic score will be fine. Pretty much, you know, the genre will, will allow or not allow that. And if it is allowed, you know, then it will be set up really well at the front.
0: You've been listening to Shoot It Now with Craig Newland, your weekly podcast about all things behind the camera and in front of it. Until next time, have a great week.